You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. So excited for week two of our Living in the Last Days series. Um, I just, before we continue on, I just would love for you to join me in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you so much for your great love that you've poured out for us through your son, Jesus. Thank you, God. May you be glorified this morning. I pray a special blessing over Pastor Ryan as he brings the message, as he brings your truth and brings your word today. I pray for everyone here in person and and tuning in online that you would prepare their hearts right now, open their hearts, their minds, their ears, just to receive your truth today and to live it out as we face difficult days in our world, God. May your spirit just fill up within us, God. We thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get ready to go. Good to be with you guys. Well, I see a bunch of you guys decided. Uh, we asked if a number of folks would move over to the first service, and congratulations, they did. So let's celebrate that. We had a ton of, we had overcrowding in our second, and now we got it balanced a little bit. So good job. Some of you are like, oh, I should have done it, but I didn't. But no, you're fine. We're glad you're here. Just stay put, and uh, we're getting our services balanced up. We got a lot of folks that uh, we're coming to our our second service, and it was getting a little crowded, and so I asked if a bunch would go down to the first service, and this morning they did, so it was good. So really, really grateful for that. Um, This morning, I'm going to be teaching in uh, Matthew chapter 16. If you want to open a Bible up, check it out real quick. Uh, Today's uh, 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 sermon title is Signs of the Times. And so, you know, you might have heard it said before, but... um, Billy Graham uh, kind of talked about the importance of kind of as a believer, keeping a newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other uh, to discern the signs of the time. So I think it's important to do that. And North Valley would like to have a little fun. And so I've got some interesting uh, signs of the times uh, that are going to be helpful for us uh, to kind of see. So how many of you guys ever traveled internationally before? Raise your hand if you would. Yeah. When you travel, you see signs all the time, and you're kind of like, did they really mean what they meant? Um, there's a lot of interesting signs of the times. Um, I'll show you some signs that I just find funny and interesting, because signs are intended to tell you something. Um, and so check this one out right here. This is overseas somewhere. Caution, do not handle the bats. This look like pigeons. Those look like pigeons, not bats. They don't look like bats. Uh, so there's one. Let's see another one real quick. Uh, here's one. This is very interesting. I think this is in Japan. And um, who got assigned to draw this warning sign? We do not like to be stared at our eyes. If you do so, we are not responsible for what will happen. Be very, very careful. Uh, let's look at another one real quick. Uh, here's another one. The prohibition of riding a bike downhill. Okay. Don't ride a bike downhill. Got it. All right. Let's look at another one. This is, a, this is the biggest cigarette butt I've ever seen. The cigarette butts are always 
more noticeable when I'm walking my dog. Aware dog, and I think next to the cigarette butt is a giant ant. I'm not really sure. But these are signs that we see. Let's look at a couple more. They're funny, funny. Okay, male toilet drinking water. Wow. I kind of wonder, I think the one thing that happened good with COVID-19 is guys learned how to wash their hands. You know, like I've gone to the Cardinal Stadium and I'm like, everybody files in there uh, prior to COVID-19 and the guys walk out and I'm like, none of y'all wash your hands. None of you wash your hands. My son would say, dad, see, nobody washes their hands. I'm like, they didn't have a good mama. They didn't teach. They didn't teach. Male toilet, uh, drinking water. Yes. Okay. They're very interesting. Let's look at another one. Addicted to honking, please treat yourself. Get well soon. There you go. Um, there's a lot of signs we see. Let's look at one or two more. Please read the following. Notice, thank you for your cooperation. No weapons and pretend weapons. I like that. No, no plastic nunchucks, no nothing like that. No objects easily explode. Okay. No toxicant, no x-ray. So don't bring your x-rays and don't bring no flame. No flame. <laughs> Uh, I heard this funny story. I saw this, I saw this the other day. Seriously, I saw this uh, car that was driving down the road. And I guess in light of COVID-19, everybody's starting to deliver, you know, food and stuff. They, yeah, that's just pretty normal. So this car says, we speak English. And then it said, we delivery. I'm like, wow, that's great. All right. I'm glad you deliver. Okay. Here's another one. Caution. Wild animals are dangerous. Please do not wander from the pathways. So I think if I was taking my kid down that, that'd be really scary. What's up beyond the pathways? Well, we don't know. All right, let's look at another one real quick. Please do not sit here. Huh. Everybody sits over there, but they don't sit there. So let's look at one more. This is, oh, this is, I think we found this in Cave Creek is where we found this. (laughs) Somewhere near Harold's or something like that. I don't know. You be careful when you drive through there, okay? People get loaded there, and you why no Xing right there. Um, here's another one, and this is the last one: Lotto gun, ammo, beer. Sounds like a redneck's uh, pit stop, and yes, that is actually in Arizona. <laughs> Can you believe it? Oh my goodness. Well, signs of the times. I mean, you know, right now people are asking the questions, what are the signs of the times? I picked up the newspaper this morning. I saw Arizona Republic. It says rising temperatures, and it just shows how hot it's getting and like our city's on fire and and melting compared to where it used to be. And you definitely know it's signs of the times. When you see on the head of the sports section, it says Fitzgerald for president. It, It could happen. I guess that's better than Kanye West, you know, so. Um, and the Raiders seem to be 2-0. and Like, I mean, is it the end of the world? What's happening? You know, so, all right. So, signs of the times. Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. I want to walk through this passage. I'm going to show you a number of different passages today. I'm going to teach you uh, three different principles that will help you kind of uh, discern signs of the times. And then I'm going to give you five major signs of our current times. And remember, when you're driving down the road, your goal is, when you see a sign, it's, it's to not keep your eye on the sign and keep it there, but it's to glance at it, look at it, and then keep going to your destination. When we look at the Bible and signs of the times, when will the, when will the Lord return? We need to understand these signs are intended to take us into a direction of our, of our life. Uh, people have said... Uh, 
St. Augustine said something along the lines, the whole life is a journey, and an upward journey towards heaven. So there is a journey that we are on, and we need signs to help us to navigate through. 40% of Americans right now believe that Jesus Christ is going to return in the next few decades. Um, Cities are on fire. Uh, 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 We have fires breaking out all around our our country right now, not just in cities, but in in the uh, forest services. Yesterday, I was out at Sheep's Bridge with some buddies. We were out there. A forest ranger came up, got on a megaphone, and said, everybody evacuate. Everybody evacuate. The forest fire is coming. The Sears fire. Um, It just seems to be telling of our time that there seems to be an escalating uh, anticipation in American culture and global culture that we're nearing closing down shop here on earth. And there, the question is, is not to, um, is how do we deal with this? How do we respond to this? So I'm going to show you a number of passages, walk you through three principles to help you discern signs of the times for yourself. And then I'm going to give you five major signs in current events that I think indicate that we are definitely nearing uh, the end. And so um, let's do this. If, uh, if Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. And I'll return to some of these passages throughout this series next week. Um, I'll be teaching on uh, the rapture, um, the following week, the judgment seat of Christ, the following week, uh, the tribulation. And so um, with this series, you need to know this is not like my regular MO. This isn't what I uh, do. I've never actually taught a series like this before. I've studied it for, for many, many uh, months and uh, prepared for this actually a year and a half ago to be on this time frame. So it wasn't like we're playing into the cultural anxiety of end times. No, it was a providential spirit-led planning process, and it just so happened to land here. A lot of times we'll teach through a book of the Bible or we'll teach a, uh, we'll exposit and explain deep levels of the text. This is theological overview. This is for you to grasp a, a theological category called eschatology. It's the study of end times and to understand how everything unfolds and in the sequence of events that uh, is in when finally one day there's a new heaven and a new earth. So we'll get there in this period of time. Here's what I would say as those of you that are new. There's a lot of debate on this, but I'm going to present the, the position and the uh, outline that actually, I would say, guys like Greg Laurie, John MacArthur, Billy Graham, um, a number of other conservative evangelicals would hold to, uh, Chuck Swindoll, and uh, uh, the number of guys and, and, and Bible teacher preachers would hold to this position that I'm teaching you. Um, so I think it's a biblically saturated position, and uh, that's kind of how we're going to present it. So signs of the times, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, um, the question never ends, and it's been around for a very long time. What is a sign? Uh, and when are they? And when is Jesus coming back? So, and the Pharisees, let's just jump in. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to test him. That is Jesus. These Pharisees and Sadducees are religious leaders. They're Jewish folks waiting for the Messiah. They meet Jesus. They think, ah, he may, he's a good guy, but we don't know if he's the Messiah. Don't know if he's really God. So they want to test him. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven. So here's that word sign. They want to see some powerful display, some, some supernatural event. Perhaps they're referring to Elijah. They'd heard about Elijah and bringing down fire from heaven. They want to see Jesus. Well, the problem with Jesus is he's not a, a trickster or a tool. He's not the greatest showman to be kind of seduced or uh, twisted or manipulated. He doesn't play like that. He's Jesus. Like He's got his own prerogative, his own timeline. He's not going to be pressed. 
So he answered them with a question because he's smart and kind of just challenges them to think. He answered them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. In the morning, it'll be stormy today and the sky is red and threatening. Then he goes on to say, so he's getting them to think, you know about the, you know, the weather patterns. You can see those signs. You can predict the weather. He says, you, uh, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. So he's pushing back and saying, in other words, you know how to predict and analyze and understand uh, the natural phenomenon, but you don't understand the supernatural. And he's right. And then he goes further to kind of challenge them and uh, condemn them in a sense. Notice what he says, an evil and an adulterous generation seeks for a sign. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. And so he left and them and departed. What does he mean? What he means is, is the greatest sign that Jesus ever did um, is in fulfilling uh, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That is the sign. And Jonah was a foreshadowing of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the well... Um, three days, so Jesus was in the tomb, and then he rose again. And so what he's, in a sense, saying is, I'm not going to be your tool. I'm not going to be your trickster. I'm not going to be your showman. Unless you believe this major sign, the sign of Jonah, then we're not moving forward. And so there's this desire. Everybody wants to know the signs of the times, but as believers, we've got to square away. The most important thing we can do right now for signs, ladies and gentlemen, is we fundamentally, wholeheartedly wholesale adopt Jesus Christ as Lord. He has risen. He is alive. Uh, he has uh, ascended into heaven, and he is coming back, okay? And so the sign of Jonah is the sign that we need to hold to. Um, Jesus is pushing on these guys and saying, nothing's going to be given to you. I'm not going to let you see other signs until you get this. So the sign of Jonah, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ was being foreshadowed in that. And so he points towards that. Let's look at another passage. Luke chapter 21, verses 25 through 28. And it's, again, it's this apocalyptic uh, environment of the world, uh, natural uh, 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 things that we see in our galaxy. He says, and there will be signs in sun, in moon, and stars, and on earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves this is why there's always should be, I think, in Christian conversation is even about uh, uh, climate and uh, conservation and the idea of stewardship. Um, but there's this also this cataclysmic vision for a sign that the whole world is kind of going to be turned upside down. And so Jesus is referring to this, and we see in our time, right, distressed nations. So when something goes wrong in the United States, now there's reverbification all around the world. It's a globalized world. We're seeing nations rising against other nations, people against people. And look at verse 26, people fainting with fear and foreboding of what is coming on the world. There's this coming anxiety that things are going to get worse is how the Bible is portraying it. Um, For the powers of heaven will be shaken. In verse 27, and they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Verse 28, and now when these things begin to take place, straighten up. Everybody straighten up for a moment. Straighten up. Raise your heads, the scripture says, because your redemption is drawing near. What is that? 
God's saying you want signs of the future and all that, but here's what you need to do. You need to keep a perspective. So one of the things that you need in this studying the last days is always keep a heavenly perspective, a heavenly hope. Keep your eyes grounded. If all we're doing is saturating ourselves with news lines and headlines, we're going to be walking in fear, not in faith. And so we got to keep our heads up. Jesus says that. And then Matthew 24, 3 tells us that it's okay to ask questions. Watch what the disciples say. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. And he sat on the Mount of Olives. This is Jesus. It's called the Olivet Discourse for Bible scholars and theologians. It deals with kind of uh, the, the end, the return of Christ and the events that uh, precede that. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be a sign of your coming and the end of the age. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are nearing the end of our age. Right now we're in what's called the church age, um, but this is the, we're in the last seasons of that, according to what scripture tells us. And so are there signs that we should pay attention to? I think there are. Um, there's kind of two extremes in understanding signs of the times. One is, is the scoffers, and the scoffers say, this is dumb, don't pay attention to the signs, who cares, just live your life now, you know, stay presently connected, don't we have enough worries of today, shouldn't we just focus on living our Christian life? Well, my argument against that, that position would be as well, if you look at the New Testament and the Old Testament, there sure is a lot of talk about the future. Did you know one-third of the whole Bible is talking about future stuff? So it's, it's very predictive. It's talking about the fulfillment of many, many prophecies. I mean, the first coming of Christ, we care about that stuff. But a lot of the Bible is still filled. There's some 500 other prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled. So to say that it's not important to focus on future events would be not really doing what the Bible says. The Bible talks about how we should be anticipating the return of Jesus Christ. We should be saying, come Lord Jesus, come. That we should want to, to see the future fulfillment of these uh, prophecies. And so a third of the Bible is written with, a, with uh, these prophecies looking towards the future. So if we're being charged with, or to the scoffers, I would say, you know, um, if that's distracting, well, the New Testament writers seem to be doing a lot of distracting. And so there, the other side is the date setters. And so how many of you guys have heard before somebody say it's the end of the world and they set a date? I mean, have seen that on news or media. Somebody said it's the end of the world. This time Jesus is going to return. Some people thought it was Y2K. Where were you on Y2K? I, I don't know. I mean, I remember I had some friends that were driving cars and they're like, you better get home because at midnight that car is going to stop. <laughs> Drive off the road. The clock's going to stop. You know, well, like, I get it. I had friends back in Arkansas. They're going crazy. You know, a lot of, a lot of um, folks need a little more education over there. But they, uh, these folks, uh, there's a lot of folks that got pretty worked up and they headed to the hills. And don't get me wrong. We got some smart people. Sam Walton came out of there, Bill Dillard, a bunch of Tyson chicken came out of there, uh, Stevens Incorporated. There's some sharp fellows down there. But what I'm saying is there's a lot of people down there that got worked up and whacked out. And then Harold Camping came along, a, a pastor, uh, a televangelist, and began to set dates. And in the 90s, he said it was going to be the end of the world. And everybody watched, and, and then the date came, and the date left. Then in 2000-something, he set a date. Again, saying Jesus was going to return. It's the end of the world. The date came, and the date left. And he apologized, and he died a sad death that was very embarrassed. His family was embarrassed. 
And the charge is, is there's two extremes, the scoffers and then the date setters. The date setters are the upsetters. They upset people a lot because dates come and dates go. Jesus said, nobody knows the day nor the hour. So don't set a date. So if anybody sets a date, just dismiss it. Just dismiss it entirely. Nobody knows. So when is the return of Christ going to happen? Well, there's a couple guiding principles I would advocate for you to take on for yourself. You're a smart individual. You have the Holy Spirit. Those of you that are saying Jesus is your Lord, you have a dis- the Holy Spirit who gives you wisdom and counsel in your life, who illuminates scripture for you, and he wants to help reveal to you God's truth. So a couple guiding principles in that is number one is be faithful, not fanatic. If people say you're, you trend and tend towards fanaticism, you need to check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself. So you do not want to fall into fanaticism. And what is fanaticism? Fanaticism is when you, you literally are saturated with newspaper headlines and trying to do newspaper exegesis about everything. And then every time somebody sends you a link on YouTube or social media that you buy in wholeheartedly, and there's plenty of... Uh, profiting preachers that are phonies and folks that are just trying to get you to believe something and prey upon your fear and anxiety. Be faithful. We need to be, think about the the folks that studied signs of the times in biblical history. I think of Daniel while he was in Babylon. He studied the scriptures very diligently. Then he was given political power and uh, positioning to help advise the king with dreams and, and things. And then you think of, of folks even in the New Testament, and I think it's Anna and Simeon and, and, the, and the folks and the prophets and the prophetess that were anticipating the coming of Jesus Christ. They studied the scriptures and they waited for the times. Or what about the Magi in the New Testament? The, the gentlemen that were astrologers and they studied the, the prophetic literature about the coming of Jesus Christ. So be faithful, not a fanatic. Secondly, I would challenge you, just focus on scriptures, not social media. Focus on the scriptures, not the social media. Um, right now, we live in a, in a world where a lot of our, what we hear all the time is fake news. And I, I would agree with that. I think there's a lot of fake news. I've got, a lot of, I've got friends that are very involved in, in tech uh, the tech industry, pretty strong. They, they're running uh, uh, media companies, and they would tell you there's a lot of censoring going on in, in Facebook, in some of these big platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, uh, you name it. There's a lot of media that's what's, what's doing is the technology is called predictive analytics. And so what it's doing is, is they're creating these algorithms for you to feed your newsfeed the things that you have already done. It's like every single one of you have a handprint, you have a voice print, you have a footprint, but did you know you have a digital print? Everywhere you go, your footsteps are being followed. Everything you like, everything you comment, everything you watch, every button you click, every share that you have. And you say to me, should this alarm me? It should concern you. It absolutely should concern you. And so what's happening is that we're believing more of what we see in social media sometimes than we do in the scriptures. And so our, our vision of truth is actually polarized or it's, it's, it's been prepared for us to view that. So I would just be very cautious is what I'm saying. I love social media. We use social media. We need to fill the internet streets with Jesus like all day long. Like that's what we ought to do as a church and as believers. But however, what I'm telling you is that part of globalization is this technological shift. We are in the information age 
and we're barraged and bombarded with media, and we think it's how we should view the world, but I'm telling you, a lot of the technological shift is, it's called predictive analytics, it's called persuasive advertising, and they're just watching you and trying to give you the products and services that you need. And are all, all these evil? No, I don't think they are. But it is a setup, and it is creating what I would call tribalism. And I'll talk to you more about that in a minute. And those tribes turn on each other. Because what we're doing is we're, we're, we're being with more and more people that are more and more like us, and we have a global world connected to some billion people connected on social media. So your view, you can find some tribe, tribal members, no matter what your view is. So my encouragement to you is guiding principle, oh, please, for the love of Jesus, focus on the scriptures, not social media as much. That's what I'm saying. Are you with me? Um, we're in a digitally connected world where we're socially isolated. Um, we have uh, all-time high suicide rates, and, and the technology has done, done some of this. It's not necessarily it's the evil of technology, it's the user behind it. So you could say the same thing with alcohol, or you could name another issue. Like, it, the Bible doesn't say alcohol is inherently evil, although it says drunkenness is evil. So, so what do you do? So you can, you can accept it blindly, you can reject it, or you can seek to redeem it. So redeem technology. Use it for your good and others' good and for the glory of God. But be careful. Be very careful. It will set up. You'll see in the signs of the times. And third guiding principle is remember the signs are the return for the return of Christ, not the rapture. This is getting deeply Bible on you. Um, and my hope would be is that you grow more and more in your faith. And if someone were to someone was to cut you, you would begin to bleed Bible. Or someone was to press you, um, stress wouldn't come out, peace would come out, fruits of the Spirit. Like, you need more Jesus, you need more Bible in your life. And so, um, my encouragement is, uh, what we're going to do is, if you want to follow these passages more in depth, I'd encourage you to go online, North Valley Devotionals. You can see I wrote 14 pages on today's message for you that are saturated with scriptural references for you to go in and dig into these but we got to understand for the signs of the time, many of these are for the return of Christ, not the rapture. Two different events. Um, the, the return of Christ is when Jesus comes, like the Lord's Prayer. How many of you grew up in a Catholic household or you know the Lord's Prayer just because that's what you did? Our Father in heaven, let's say it together. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's stop right there. On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was praying... We need a kingdom down here. Who's going to be the king? Jesus is going to be the king. Where is he going to reign from? Jerusalem, Israel. That's what the Bible says. This is going to be crazy cool. There's going to be a thousand-year millennial reign, a literal reign of Jesus Christ on earth. His kingdom is coming. And one day it's going to be super incredible like you've never seen, never heard, no eye has seen, no one has heard this kind of level of godliness, goodness, kingship on earth. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the return of Jesus Christ. We're waiting for that. And most of the signs, look at me, ladies and gentlemen, point towards the return of Jesus Christ. So what's the rapture? The rapture is that thing, if you guys have ever seen the Left Behind series or whatever, it's literally like God is going to save believers, rapture them. It means to be taken up into the sky to be saved from earth's coming tribulation and trials and times and hardships and suffering and all that. Some, so like you're like, some people are like, what is going to happen if I'm driving a car and I get raptured? Like, I don't know. I hope you got a sunroof. 
Somebody asked me, somebody asked me, what about my dog? Is my dog going to get rescued? I'm like, well, just hold on to the little puppy. I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but the Bible talks about a rapture. It talks about being taken up into the air. And I'm going I'm to teach you about that. Uh, next week, we'll jump into that. The rapture, it's the next event on God's prophetic calendar. Well, what happens to all those who believe? They're stuck here. Do they ever get a chance? Yeah, they will. There'll be preachers that are coming out like crazy and preaching the gospel. There's going to be Jewish people that are going to go, oh, we missed the Messiah. Duh, we should have studied this. Jesus was the Messiah. And mass numbers of Jews are going to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Believers that are kind of broken, washed up, uh, backslidden believers that really never loved Jesus, they're going to be like, oh, my wife was right. Oh, I'm here alone. I'm going to watch uh, Pastor Ryan's sermon. I'm going to listen to what my wife said. I'm going to read her journal or flip-flop it, you know? So it's going to happen. That's what the Bible says. There'll be people that are left behind. And then there will be this massive tribulation. And again, it can be debated. Other folks say, well, I, don't, I think we're supposed to suffer through the tribulation. I, 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 there's a plenty of uh, positions. I think the position I'll be presenting is the most biblically saturated position. I think it's the right position. Um, so what is the difference between the rapture and the return of Christ? Well, in the rapture, Christ comes in the air. And on the return of Christ, Christ comes to earth. That's the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Christ comes in the air in the rapture. Christ comes to earth to set up a a kingdom is what it is. In the rapture, Christ comes for his saints, meaning he's coming to gather all the faithful, all those who believe in Jesus Christ. He's coming to save them from the coming judgment. In the return of Christ, Christ comes with his saints. Oh, when the saints, oh, when the saints go marching in. So that's, you're like, oh man, is that what that means? There's so much of our scriptures and our songs that are saturated with this kind of ideas, and we're like, what have I been doing? I'll tell you what you did. You paid more attention to the prophecies that came into the first coming of Jesus Christ. Oh, Micah said he'd be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah said he'd be born, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Oh, I like those. But what about these, about the return of Jesus Christ as high king of heaven, and his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven? We forgot about those. We don't pay attention to those. 500, uh, there's something like a thousand something prophecies in the Bible. 500 have been fulfilled. 500 are to be fulfilled. We should think, we need to be futurist Christians. We, we need to be in the present, but look towards the future. Christ comes with his saints, and then in the rapture, there's movement from earth to heaven. So from the earth to heaven. Well, that's where I want to go. That's where you want to go. In the return, there's movement from heaven to earth. After the tribulation, all that. We'll walk into that in in weeks ahead. The rapture is a time of blessing for believers. Incredible blessing. Um, Right after the rapture is the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. So every believer on on the planet Earth that is raptured will immediately then go into what's called the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. And it's not about, did you do good enough and can I let you into heaven? It's a review and then it's a reward of your life. And then, so there's time of blessing. And then in the return of Christ, it's a time of destruction. The rapture will occur in the blink of an eye. It'll happen just like that. And then the return of Christ will be visible for the entire world to see. The rapture, no sign is needed. But the return of Christ, signs are needed. So most of the signs that we see are um, 
uh, highlighting or foreshadowing the return of Jesus Christ. It'd be like this. How many of you guys uh, shop for Christmas um, right after, th- or right after um, Halloween? Would you raise your hand? Start shopping for Christmas right after Halloween. Well, it's something like uh, if, you, if you see in the stores right now, if at Walmart or wherever, everything's going to be trending and tending towards Halloween. But as soon as Halloween is over, it goes full tilt Christmas, right? So if you realize that what's going on in American culture is everything's pointing towards Christmas, but nobody's talked about Thanksgiving hardly. It's very similar in the signs of the times. Everything is actually giving signs towards the return of Jesus Christ. And if you pay attention to those, you ought to know that the rapture is coming very soon. As soon as Halloween's over, everything goes full full boogie tilt towards um, uh, Christmas. But you know Thanksgiving is really close. And so we've got to realize that the signs that we see are signs that are indicating of the return of Jesus Christ and the rapture could happen at any point in time. So here are five signs of the time. Number one, the regathering of Jewish people. This has been called the super sign. Um, this is, uh, uh, you see this happening on global proportions like never before in this time frame. Jeremiah 33 says this, I will restore the fortunes of my people, Israel and Judah, says the Lord, and I will bring them back to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall take possession of it. There's always been a promise for God's people, the, the, the Israelites, the Jewish people. Um, when God raised up Moses to preserve and to protect them, Pharaoh couldn't keep them. Or the atrocity of the Holocaust with Hitler, Hitler couldn't exterminate them. Why is that? Because God's got a plan and a purpose for the Jewish people of the world. Um, Dr. Mark Hitchcock, uh, Dallas Seminary's author, maybe 30 different books. He's a mentor, a friend of mine. He said this about that. He says, the Jewish people are the only exiled people to remain a distinct people despite being exiled. So they've been kicked out, exiled, conquered numerous times. Not just once, but multiple times. And the most recent exile was, was to more than 70 countries. That'd be like somebody coming over to the United States of America, rallying all the Americans, and then putting us into bondage, into slavery, and then shipping us out to 70 different countries. More than 20 different countries, um, exiled to more than 70 countries for more than 20 centuries. Today, for the first time since AD 135, there are more Jews in Israel than any other place on earth. So what does that mean? That means despite Hitler's Holocaust of some 6 million European Jews between 1941 and 45, God has kept his promises. God is restoring the nation of Israel to a fuller level. Um, on May 14th, the ni- or May 14th, 1948, maybe you didn't know this, maybe you did, pretty historic moment for those that study prophecy. United Nations declared that Israel to be their own nation. And again, So they were not a nation prior to 1948 for for many, many years. 1948, United Nations says Israel should be a nation. Some 650,000 Jews pour into Israel in 1948. Do you know how many Jews are there today? Um, According to the Jewish Virtual Library on, on the eve of Rosh Hashanah 2020, say that 20 times, Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah. On the, on the eve of Rosh Hashanah 2020, Israel population stood at more than 9 million point two uh, people. Uh, it, so God is bringing back the Jewish people to Israel, and that's a predictive sign. It's called the super sign. 
Um, second sign of the times would be what I would call the 10G Global Alliance. Uh, this is uh, soon after COVID-19, the virus began to ravage the world. Uh, maybe you saw this, maybe you didn't, but Gordon Brown, the former prime minister of the United Kingdom, urged world leaders to create a temporary form of global government to tackle the, both the medical and the economic crisis, right? Because now we're a global world. So, um, you know, in just a matter of, of days, uh, people are, can board a plane and they can uh, pack their l- luggage and they can pack a virus and be all around the world in like 20 hours. Just, I mean, that we are globally connected. But the prime minister of the United Nations urged this leadership team to create a temporary global movement, uh, a leadership to tackle the medical and the economic crisis. He encouraged the executive leaders as well to help lead. Um, he encouraged that there be one leader, in a sense, over the other leaders. Well, this is not, a, I believe, a direct fulfillment of prophecy. It's definitely setting the stage for a global leadership team to take over and create one world economy. That is where we're tending and trending towards. Um, Daniel chapter 10 kind of predicted this uh, level of 10 kings. It is, in a sense, it is the rise and the, again, of the Roman Empire. So what the Bible is predicting, that there is going to be a, a revival of the Roman Empire. There'll be 10 leaders that basically become the new world government. And out of that 10 will be one that raises up and who's been called the Antichrist. So Daniel chapter 7, verse 24, Daniel has a, a dream and a vision, and he says that there's these 10 horns, and out of this kingdom, 10 kings shall arise. So Daniel's been charged to, to kind of give uh, predictions, interpretation to dreams, visions, and he's telling the story and the glory of what God is going to do. But there are some bad things that are going to happen before Christ returns um, in totality to set up his new kingdom on earth. A third sign is this, and peace in the Middle East is, is the uh, third sign. Maybe you saw this, maybe you didn't, but on September 15th, there was in 2020, just a couple of weeks ago, did you pay attention? There was a historic peace treaty that was signed for peace in the Middle East between the state of Israel and the United Arab Emirates. The desire for this agreement was to establish peaceful and prosperous future. The agreement was called the Abrahamic Accords Peace Agreement. That happened in our time, ladies and gentlemen. There are things that are happening on a global level that indicate God is at work and He's fulfilling His promises. If He did it on the first time with the prediction of Bethlehem, He did it with the, uh, the prophet Isaiah about being born of a virgin there was 33 uh, prophecies that were fulfilled in the day that Jesus Christ died. So there's so many prophecies connected, and these should give us an indication that something's happening. God's got a promise for the preservation and the protection of Israel. This peace agreement was signed. Some people have said, well, is this the Antichrist who's created this uh, peace agreement? I, I don't think so uh, for a number of reasons. We'll get into that later. Um, But this peace agreement has been formed. And those of you that know your Bible, this ought to signal something very important. Abraham is the patriarch of three major Abrahamic religions in the world, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. And so if you study your Bible, it's very interesting. If you study your Bible, look at Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. And in there, you're going to see these mentions of these different nations that are going to form an alliance against Israel. And they're going to come attack, and they're going to break up all the peace. And they're going to try to destroy and annihilate Israel. 
Well, it's interesting if you do geography work back then in ancient history and you do geography today, you would actually connect that this alliance is actually where it is between Russia, Iran, and Turkey. And so when the peace treaty was signed, let me ask you a question. Who do you think was mad and hated the idea of the peace agreement? Russia, Iran, and Turkey. Why is that? Because, well, there's radical uh, Islamic uh, groups in that group, and they do not like the control and the alliance that's been formed. And so what we have here is, again, prophecies kind of being uncovered before our very eyes. There is, the Bible talks about this confederation of nations that include modern-day Algeria, Libya, Turkey, and Iran. And they will come against Israel in the future, what's been called the War of Gog and Magog, in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and the Bible predicted it would happen. So I know that's a lot. And, but what I'm telling you is that this peace in the East, everybody says peace in the Middle East, it's been an age-old conflict because God made a promise to Abraham that this would be, uh, he would uh, be uh, the father of this nation, make it a great nation, but there's a lot of conflict around Abraham and his identification, if it's Islamic or, or whatnot. And we as Christians believe that That's God's promise for the Jewish people, but at the same time, there's this blessing that we're supposed to be a part of as well as as believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 is perhaps the Bible passage that the the peace agreement was formed out of recently in the last few weeks. It says this, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, now the Lord said to Abram, I will make you a great nation. So God's promised thousands and thousands of years before even the time of Christ that he was going to do this. And Israel, for a time period, I can imagine those believers that prior to 1948, they're like, what's happening? Like, is Israel going to be a nation? Because it wasn't a nation. Well, in 1948, it became a nation again. And people were like, oh my gosh, prophecy is being fulfilled. It, it is. Make them a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And then there's the, the, the next one is the rise of globalization. This is perhaps uh, easy to see for some of you, but we live in a very globalized world, and this is going to be a setup for the coming uh, uh, conflict that is to come. Uh, Within the tribulation, we're going to see that. We're going to see that 10G global level leadership. Uh, You'll see the Antichrist resume power over that 10G global leadership, and globalization is kind of setting the platform up for that. Today, we send an email around the world, no problem. You can make a phone call, shoot a text. You can jump on a Zoom. Um, you can electronically transfer funds. You can purchase. You can arrange travel. You can have things shipped and delivered. Nothing in human history has ever accelerated to the level that we are with technology today. Um, you can, before you leave church today, you can program your phone and get from a GPS, uh, exactly where you want to go. And at the same time, the military has the power right now to put a global positioning system on your car and nuke it with a missile. We have so much technology right now. There is more technology that is in this iPhone right now than, than NASA had to send a rocket to the moon. So we are in a, a globalized uh, society and world which creates this question is, of, of, is it helping us or is it, is it hurting us? The Bible predicts a pretty challenging future for the last days. For the believer, they're raptured, and then there's a bunch of folks left behind. But when the 
coronavirus hit our world in less than 20 hours, uh, people were traveling around on planes, uh, luggage and a virus included with it. And then there's just been this mess and this mass uh, challenge for us as American people. And many, many more people are getting more concerned about the uh, coming conflicts and the challenges ahead. I believe what uh, one of the rise of, of, of globalism is what it's doing is it's it's kind of setting the stage from a technological standpoint to create what I will call um, tribalism. And what I mean by that is this, is um, because of the technology that we have, everything I like on my phone um, or every video I watch, every comment I have, through predictive analytics and AI, um, they are suggesting more and more information that is based on my previous digital footprints. Does that make sense? So it's like if you listen to Pandora and you like the song, right, you're going to get another song that's close to that song. If you put thumbs down on the Pandora button on the music, you're going to get less songs like that. That's called predictive analytics or persuasive technology. And so what's happening right now on a globalized level is we are, in a sense, seemingly believing that all the news that we see is what everybody else sees, and that's actually not true at all. In the social media context, it's being fed to you based on what you view, what you like, what you comment on, what you share. And what's happening is, is it's forming and fashioning a tribal mentality of, these are my people, we're all alike, there's millions of us, isn't the whole world like this? And the answer is no, it's not. And so in a globally connected world, there's going to be this, uh, in, a, in a Bible times, eschatology says that there's going to be this coming conflict where people are going to turn on people, families against families, cities against cities, nations against nations, like a in times perspective, cities on fire, people hating each other, and their, their troops are growing by the day. The, the anger and the animosity is being fueled, and we're doing it in such a way that we think that our view is the right view, but what we've failed to do is realize the level of information that we're receiving has been, in a sense, it's, it's been suggested. And so I'm just saying, pay attention to that. I, do we use social media at this church? Do I believe social media is important and helpful? Yeah, I do. I think you can perceive a, a couple of options on issues like technology. I think you can accept it blindly, which I think is foolish, I mean, how many parents hand their kid an iPhone? Hey, go fiddle with that. It's like, that's a grenade, you know? Like, you know what is on there? Are you paying attention to that? You can blindly accept technology. You you can uh, reject it altogether. Throw it. I hate it. It's from the devil. Like, okay, wacky, fundamentalist. I wouldn't know that. I don't think it's right. Or you can redeem it. You can say, this is... a. This is cool. This is a gift. I love it. I would rather carry my phone than my wallet. I mean, I like getting on the plane and go scan that, baby, you know? I want to go to the grocery store and do that. Now, if it comes to getting a chip in my arm, like, I don't think so. Mm -mm. I mean, but we're there as technology, so you can redeem it and say, I'm going to use it for the good of of my, my family and my friends and for the glory of God. But you have to realize technology actually plays a part in this coming conflict that we're going to turn on each other. Ha <laughs> ha, it's already there. And it's going to play a part in the Antichrist's new global vision and leadership. You say, what are you talking about? Well, Revelation chapter 13, 17 says this, no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. 
What is that? That's the mark of the beast. What's the number? 666. So what does that mean? That, that means that the world is going to fall to chaos, even worse than it is now. There'll be a 10 global level leaders. Believers will be raptured. This new team will be in place around the globe to form one global economy. And you're going to have a new currency. We're going to have a new currency. And this Antichrist is going to rise to power, uh, polished and persuasive. And he's going to pull our country out of a, and our world out of a crisis. And so you see already, I mean, right now we do phones with all of our information on there and it's being tracked and watched and hacked and all that. Then we've got watches and then we got chips. And then you're like, do I put a chip in my dog or do I put a chip in me? Like, I wouldn't put a chip in you. I wouldn't put a chip in, in, in me. I'm not going to do that. Um, but then I'm thinking like one day, is it going to be like freckles? Like this freckles is just incredible. It just has this technology right here. Check that freckle out. Everybody's got this cool freckle. I'm like, then one day, is it going to be a finger? Don't pull the finger. You know, it's like, where are we going? So the question is, is like, what is technology doing? It's a setup. It's beginning to be set up. Our world is, is moving in that direction. The rise of globalization is creating a, a coming conflict and it's also being set up for a global unified uh, government. Number four, five, the last sign of the time is what's called the great apostasy. This is, you see it now in, in some sense, apostasy means a falling away or it means abandoning traditional values in, in a vision of a biblical orthodoxy and a complete departure from the faith. Um, the Bible predicts that this is going to happen in, in, in incredible numbers in the final days. Um, it's interesting to me right now, I, I saw a report, some 30% of believers are never going back to church after COVID-19. So is that a direct fulfillment? I, I don't know for sure, but it's a definitely a sign to, to signal the end is near. Um, there's a, an, a great apostasy that is said to take place in end times events. And, and again, I don't teach on this stuff all the time. I try to stay as, in as much as I can in kind of encouraging and edifying and building up, walking through books in the Bible and doing uh, exposition on passages of Scripture. But this issue deserves a, a theological look from Old Testament to New Testament to grasp all of God's revelation for these end times event. This great apostasy is a concerning one, and I'm seeing this in our day today. The Scripture says, now concerning com the coming of the Lord, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 3, uh, Jesus Christ and being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. So there's this exhortation to be level-headed, to get sound in Scripture, and you're going to see that consistently and continually. I'm going to teach that. Don't be freaking out. Don't be a fanatic in, the, in this series. But then either by spirit or spoken word, uh, a letter seeming, uh, seemingly to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. What's going on? The Apostle Paul's dealing with heresy. Somebody wrote to the church in Thessalonica, started circulating letters, said it was from him, and it freaked him out. It got him real panicked that maybe they'd missed the rapture, they're in trouble, and, and they're, they're, it's all hell's breaking loose, and they don't know what to do. Look what he says, verse 3. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless a rebellion comes first. What does that mean? That means that before Jesus Christ returns, and perhaps even before the rapture, that there's going to be a major falling away. 
In a sense, churches turning against churches, believers turning against believers. And why is that? I would say it's because of what I would call a, we have accepted and embraced a post-truth society. We used to be a post-modern society where the idea was, the spirit of the times was, if, if it's right for you, then it's right for you. But it's not necessarily right for me. So that's been postmodernism. Now we are in post-truth stage where we have abandoning uh, what we've taken as authoritative truth in our lives and said this. Well, whatever you believe, that's good. But if you believe anything that's offensive to me, then it must not be true. Because what I believe is I, I'm researched. Why? Why do they say that? Because they are researched. In the information age, their brain is barraged. And they've got millions of friends on Facebook, social media, or thousands, or whatever you want to say, agreeing, liking, and what's happening with predictive analytics, it's just feeding the tribes. Everybody drinks the same Kool-Aid. Everybody eats the same food. And if you don't, it's time to go to war. And so what's going on is there's, a, there's going to be a turning towards the brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and saying, you're not even a believer. I want to attack you. So what does the Bible say? The Bible says this thing called like, love your neighbor. So Luke chapter 10, I I love that. And the moral of the story with loving your neighbor, Jesus uses that guy called the Good Samaritan. You remember that guy? Heard of that? The Good Samaritan? The Good Samaritan's the hero of the story. And he has nothing in common with the other person. They're exact opposites. They're uh, anti-typical. They don't like each other. And so the picture that we have as believers is to be real cautious that we, we don't accidentally fall into the technological tribalism that we're being fed, but we actually realize we can accept it, reject it, or redeem it. We need to redeem it, and then we better be real cautious on how big we're building our own tribes and trying to go to war. And then remember, at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, if you are not loving your neighbors, people that are unlike you, then you should be evaluating your Christian views, ethics, and beliefs. And so there is this coming conflict that is predicted to happen, and I think globalization absolutely plays a major part into this. I think technology does. And there is this great apostasy. I know folks that say, well, you know, I believe this, I believe this alternative lifestyle is completely good and acceptable. And then, you know, or, or I believe that this view is, uh, is the right view on this. I don't believe the Bible actually is authoritative there. I'll pick and choose what I want because it's, now it's offending me. So therefore I'm rejecting it. And then they don't even want to perhaps, or maybe you find yourself, you don't even want to explore the biblical theological foundations that have been held for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And so there's an abandonment that is going to happen and is happening even now. And so what do we do? You keep your head up. You keep your hopes high. You you stay in the Word. You stay saturated with Scripture. And and I think that through it all, you can realize that you're, you're going to find yourself in a pressing time period in American culture as a believer. But you can, you, can, you can do this. You are strong. You are gifted. And you need to be marked, not by what you hate, but by, by what you love. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends here today. This teaching is not an easy one. 
But it is a good one, Father, for us all to just realize the signs of the times. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out we're in tough times. So I just pray for my friends. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.